No one cares about boxing. Tyson Fury, everyone had to look up his name. Everybody. No had one. If and guess what? Nobody had to look up Floyd Mayweather's name. They went nuts, but this is the reaction she should have gotten. Because <laughs> that's legit. Daniel Day Lewis. That's what that movie's known for. Not this other fucking. <laughs> I know, but it's still a good movie, though. That Best Buy just released the MCU Infinity Saga. Whoops, people. Should be, should be careful. Five hundred dollars, everyone. Dude, five fifty. Guess what? I have. Oh, it's five fifty. Oh shit. Dude, I have those movies already. That's gonna be the most expensive bonus disc I ever buy. Uh, who are watching? You better pay through the court or pay according to the court order. When he's the real Joker, you should kind of treat that as fictional world. And when he's himself, which is kind of clown makeup or not the Joker look, that's pseudo-reality sometimes. And somehow Tuesday ended up being the day, the hour, <laughs> almost the minute of this huge, re the wrestling industry being revolutionized, man. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 301 of the Wrestling Court. That is right. This is the official celebration. Why? Because I never started with episode zero. <laughs> I'm your Zulik, <laughs> and today I have Rob here and Kevin Castle here to talk everything with the WWE releases, the Ultimate Warrior documentaries, and much more. How the hell are the both of you doing? Go ahead. Kevin, you go first. Um, I'm good. As, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good as uh, can be uh, on the cusp of uh, 53 in a few hours, so I'm, I'm okay. Ah, it's easy. You're still young. Oh, God, no. You're, uh, <laughs> you're so you were born in 68. 68, yeah. You're as old as my brother. Oh, really? Oh, God bless him. No, not really. You're, you're better. Uh <laughs> <laughs> no, he's all right. <laughs> God help him. You into a uh, God help him. Yeah, God help him. Exactly. Go. <laughs> All right. Then, so, sorry. Go ahead, Rob. Well, then that, I'm good. So let's just kind of get. I think we should just get into the fucking news because I think there's a lot of shit there. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? Let's let's start with it. Um, reported first by Sarah Sap. We got a ton of WWE releases today, with the biggest one being Braun Strowman. But also Legitly. on that list was. Santana Garrett. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that would have kind of surprised me too. I love that. Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, and I think I'm missing one more name Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy. Uh, and um, Lana. Lana. And Lana. The Ruby Riot. And Ruby Riot, yep. Yeah, I that's mean, it. That's it. There's a rumor things. that Liv Morgan was released, but that's not confirmed. No, not, not yet. Yeah. He can't right. release that many blondes in a row. So he could do one blonde and then group them up with other darker hair girls. So all, can't all, do too many blondes. All I know is uh, the, the demented uh, contingency of wrestling fans are writing hate mail to Eva Marie, who had nothing to do, to do with any of this. their releases. Eva Marie, by the way, if people do research, was hired last October. Had nothing to do with releases. She was hired almost uh, last Friday. Are you freaking yeah. serious? Like people are sending hate mail to someone. Yeah, who has yeah. Like, yeah. Keep, keep keeping her, and she took people's spots. She didn't take anybody's spots. So stupid, idiots. <laughs> you know, you know, of all the releases, Braun. Even though I did not like this guy, Braun Strowman is the shocking one because he's a Vince McMahon guy. He's what Vince freaking looked he, for. And, he just had a few, and he just had him. a you. And last year he was the Universal Champion, and this year he is gone from the company i've never seen a release 
that freaking quick from who was the world champion to who will be gone in a year later. I've never seen a release that quick without. Before. Yeah, I mean, release not like I mean, I've seen guys ask for ask for their release, not someone like getting released, especially Braun Strowman. Let's be serious. Like, that's the name you want to talk about the most. Because of all the people you would give me a list, say who do you think would not be employed with WWE in in 2021? I would have said all those names of Seth or Braun Strowman. Because let's be real, like you know, they spent a lot of money, and and you know, time with this guy. We we know he's I I've shitted on him enough on the show. They yeah, say that I he's did not the, He's not he's not a great wrestler. He has a look. He definitely could do better. Uh, problem is that they pushed him and pushed him. They gave him, like you said, the title. He just would he feud with Shane literally at WrestleMania or before WrestleMania, like of this year. He was, and he was just on stuff. a. He was also just on a pay per view last month. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. I'll be honest with you. I saw the writing on the wall from this a long time ago. I'm not being like one of those guys saying stuff like that, but I I knew it. I just saw it. I felt the thing with Shane didn't mean anything. I thought he wasn't in good standing with the company. I heard that there was problems behind the scenes with him. That he was uh, uh, having some bitch fits behind the scenes. He wasn't happy and blah blah blah. Uh, this has been, uh, actually, this has been going on ever since his documentary aired a while ago last year, uh, where he was talking about, he was going to kill himself and blah, blah, blah. I don't know if the company lost faith in him. Something went amiss after that documentary came out. Uh, and also Braun Strowman. Also, if you remember last year, uh, went online and criticized independent wrestlers. It was around the same time the doc came out. So they're like, is this guy unraveling here? Are we going to have another uh, problem with this guy here? You know, he's already a, a big guy. We know he, he's been on enhancement drugs in the past for his size. Braun Strowman all of a sudden is built like Ultimate Warrior. Did you guys notice mm-hmm. that lately? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when he was just bulky. Now he's all cut and ripped to shreds. And it's not well, just. So I think I think there was something going on between that. And uh, the ranting on Twitter, and he stopped going on Twitter a lot. I think they even told him to stop doing that. Um, well, he also posted that picture from the hotel room. He had deleted because legitimately there was a needle yes, on the fucking yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 this last year, I think if this it's would have happened last year. I would, I would have believed that. You know what I'm saying? Last I think year, when they gave all him a chance. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, they I gave him a chance. Him. You know, and and I think he was uh, unraveling. And I think I think when it's all said and done. That had nothing to do with budget cuts. That had to do with they don't want something happening on their watch with this guy. If you guys remember, remember becoming, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's becoming a remember test. Yep. You know, yeah. similar to Test started acting erratic. Remember when Test came back that third yeah, time? Yeah, dude, was, when when Test came back in two thousand six, yeah. he came back a completely different person with an entire jacked up look. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, and I think WWE is like, no, I, we're not. And they're probably you know the suicide talk is disturbing them. I think they're just like, we're not doing this. And the same thing with with Pika. And then people could say, and listen, they might have approached him and told him he might need some help or something. Braun is a stubborn guy. Again, he he had some detractors behind the scenes. He wasn't exactly Mr. Popularity with the higher-ups. And I think he, he kind of – and here's another thing. And I said this a few years ago. His best feud was with Roman Reigns. Yeah, it was. Right? Even, and, even though some hokiness into it. But that was – if you look at all of his feuds from the start of his career in WWE to the end, his best one was with Roman Reigns. Right. And there's not even one that comes close to second. And, and it was really Reigns putting him over and selling for him and Reigns being yeah. vulnerable and laying down for him pretty much. And what it showed is that 
he wasn't the next guy. He was just, again, put over almost like the way Ryback looked good mm-hmm. with certain opponents. Braun Strowman doesn't have the technical, like Sid. I put him in the Sid Ryback category yeah. uh, where it depends on who the opponent is. I'll have good matches with specific people. But I think we're going to find out. And listen, I don't wish anything bad on him or anything. I'm not a fan either. But I think we're going to find out that that guy had absolutely nothing to do with money or contract that to do with a wellness. I guarantee it. You know, I, I have, I have no sympathy for this guy whatsoever, mostly because all the shit he said last year. Now it's going to bite him right in the ass the minute he goes back online. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, and, and again, AEW can't hire everybody. Everybody's playing fantasy bookings. <laughs> I <game>. know, right? <laughs> there's only there's only a couple of talents that I would want there. Like a guy like Braun has no play. First, I don't no. want him in any. I don't want no. him in any fucking wrestling. Company. They have Wardlow already, and they have Lance Archer, and they have and Miro. They have their strongmen already. They don't. That's need it. You don't, Rob. You going don't back to Braun. going back to your point, Rob. The only two people I can actually see sign with AEW is Santana Garrett and possibly um, Alistair Black. Well, yes, I agree with you. Exactly well, I see. I'm that. a big fan of Ruby Riot. I've been a fan Me of Ruby Riot. Yeah, I like part of Riot. Uh, if you remember when they had the what was the Riot Squad and they were going against was the Bella Twins and somebody, and she almost fucking killed Liv Morgan and fucking Riot jacked was it Brie Bella's jaw for fucking up the spot. Yeah, right. I yeah. I had so much respect for her because the idea is like she almost fucked up her friend. Do it the old school. Gave her a shot, calm the fuck down. And after that, like Ruby knows how to fucking control a match. She's actually really talented. So a girl like her, I think, would do way better in a company like AEW or even Impact or anywhere where she can get more of a spotlight because it's not always about all oh, the blonde, pretty look. She's a work rate. You know, she's got a good work rate. And I would love to see her. And the look, it would go over well in a smaller company. Well, I talked about this today that, you know, Shotzi Blackheart is a stone's throw from the gimmick that Ruby Riot brought in first, the yeah. punk rock tattooed anarchist type of chick, you know, but here's the difference. Shotzi Blackheart always looks like she wants to be here and she's excited and howling mm-hmm. and, and into her job. Ruby right. looked disenchanted, disheartened, and just didn't want to be there. And I and it and it happened when she came back from shoulder surgery and was out for a year. That took yeah. a lot of her momentum away, and she was just lost in the shuffle. The riot squad had been broken up. Liv was on her own. Uh, the other one left, you know, to have a baby. Uh, mm-hmm. And Ruby was lost. They they all those three girls depended on each other too much. I think that's a good thing. But it reminds me of like the you know the difference with the Freebirds and people like that in these groups is that Michael Hayes and Terry they survived when they went to Terry or without their tag team partners. Ruby and Liv act lost without each other, and I think that's a good and a bad thing. Uh, Ruby yeah. Riot could have had Ruby shown the enthusiasm, punk rock, anarchist chick, cutting scathing promos being into her entrance and like, yeah, let's fucking do this. Like Shotzi, Ruby would still be here. She had the enthusiasm of a dead fish. She had, she had no enthusiasm, zero. And I like her, but she had no enthusiasm. But the truth is, I get it. And you see from the beginning of her career until we're a little bit in, how it changed. And we've seen that with some wrestlers, they can't get out of the hump of what creative does for them. And I think it hurts them more. You know what I'm saying? Like some can work with it and just do it. There's some talent that says, oh, you want me to fucking write a fucking candy cane to the ring? I will fucking own that shit. And some people can't, okay? Uh, uh, with Shotzi, Shotzi had a horrible injury or illness, something just prior to WWE. I forgot yeah. what it was, but she was really fucked up. So I think she's just happy and she's living the moment, but she's in NXT. 
there is wow. a difference of product between NXT and the WWE. When yes. WWE comes around and you get shuffled around from Raw to SmackDown, you're not on today. I don't have nothing for you. Go away, catering. Come back to this. Okay, well, then you're going to lose to who's this new girl? Oh, no, she got blonde hair. You're going to lose to her. Make her look good. It, you can't. It's really hard for a wrestler to be enthusiastic. And let's fucking be real. Look at Bruiser Brody, right? Bruiser Brody was in the room with Lex Luger. And he was like, I don't feel it. And it was, fuck it. What are you going to do, right? At least she would finish matches. There are wrestlers, and it's always been there. If they're not feeling it or they're not enjoying it, you'll fucking see it on their face. Yeah, I know. But I think that's not going to serve you well when they're doing – again, they're looking at people who want to be – people who are going to be ambassadors for the company, go mm-hmm. around, smile, shake hands, look like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so – I'm thrilled to be here. Like, that's what they need right now. That Like, the downtrodden attitude is not going to do you good. And I think that's why Alistair Black got canned. I think that's why Ruby got canned. Now, Santana's bubbly. Santana's like the, the, the doppelganger mm-hmm. for Wonder Woman. I don't know why they couldn't do anything with her. I mean, she's the epitome. I, I, I never seen Santana Garrett not smile. So it's like, I think she had all the two. But I think they just, again, didn't know what to do with her. Uh, yeah. But I think I think having a bad attitude now after seeing all these people released is not going to serve you well. I think everyone's going to have to be like glad to be here. Fake it. I mean, we all have to fake being glad to be here. Uh, some people be, uh, you know, fake being, you know, saying I do in marriages. So, I mean, we all have to fake enthusiasm sometimes to keep the peace, uh, to keep your job and to keep people thinking. You know, even if they're not as into it as they should, they'll get it back. They'll get that fire back. But if they see that fire is out, WWE can't can't afford to to relight the pilot light again. It's out. Right. You know, they got to go find it somewhere else and maybe come back the way uh, Drew McIntyre did. Drew McIntyre is a good example of you can come back if you light the fire again. But it's up to them. Well, it took him leaving to find himself though, because that's oh, yeah. not a product they created. He is the Drew McIntyre you see today was not created in the annals of WWE. This is something he had to go out and find himself. But he had, to, he had to know what he was missing out on when he got released and then realized this is the, the I got to get back here. And that, you know, he even said he went to impact and evolve. He was just doing that to get back to the big dance. He just did whatever it took to get back to prove to himself that he, he dropped the ball last time he was young, stupid. He's better now he's different and he's ready and he, he's the ultimate. I mean, even his book is out now talking about that, how you can bounce back and you have no one to blame but yourself. If, you know, you you can get a second chance. It's you who don't give yourself a second chance. Sometimes. What I'm saying, though, you have to find yourself. Wrestlers who are very comfortable or complacent have never been outside the product. I've seen. Yeah. Seen and even talent. though we've also um, capped on this guy, too. Jinder Mahal is another example. Yeah. You have to find here. He's still here. You have to find yourself and go out. You don't, you know, being in the comfort of WWE is also actually sometimes really bad too. Because you never get to really experience it because that's why territories were a big deal. And uh, because at the end of the day, something didn't work. Well, what didn't work with my gimmick? I'm just let's try something in this town. Let me try for this town. You can go around. And unfortunately, we don't have as much of that, but you do have a lot of small, there's a lot of small fucking promotions. You can go and cut your teeth and just refine yourself, reignite your gimmick, reignite your fire for the business. Because sometimes these wrestlers, you know, maybe when you get into it, you don't realize. And, you know, I'm not saying that you should, you should both know everything, but let's, at the end of the day, you don't know everything. How many, you know, how many rock bands sign a contract thinking, oh my God, my life is going to change. They're like, no, it doesn't work exactly oh, like yeah, you no, say. No, yeah. I've, I've and, been, and I've you been don't in know. meetings with that. I've been in yeah. business in meetings. And you, don't, and you don't know. And you know what? And then you lose that fire. There would be, I knew a lot of bands back and they were fucking phenomenal. What happened, bro? Well, it just, you know, the, the, the business and 
didn't meet to what they understood. They thought, hey, I play instruments, I write songs, we produce it, we sell it, let's see what happens. It's not how it works. And same thing with wrestling, you know. Well, we don't really need you to be this. We need you to be this. It's like, you know, I mean, like you see many hokey gimmicks to get thrown around. You see, you've seen the, the failed sketches of, oh, let's make this guy look like this and this, you know, and then you find at the end of the day, like, wow, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's what you see me. You see me as an interchangeable body to put a costume on. Um, that's not why I did this, but I'm stuck in a contract. What can I do? And then for some wrestlers, they don't know, hey, fuck it. Run with like Santino. Fuck it. You want to make me into a joke? I'll be the biggest fucking joke and you're going to pay me. Not everyone can do that. You know, some people are very prideful. Our truth also right now. Yeah. Our truth. I mean, fuck. Yeah. 100%. And he still can go. And, but at the end of the day, it's like some people can and some people can't. So at the end of the day, it's not really, I don't blame Russell for being disenfranchised from being there. The only thing I, I feel bad, if you're really not feeling something, at least with a regular job, you can say to your job, "Hey, here's my two weeks' notice. I'm out. I'm gonna get another job." Right? If you're not, if you're not enjoying the job, you give you maybe you may not have another job, but at least you can say that for yourself. But when you're under a contract and you're stuck, you have very few options. So, you know what I mean? Like, I can understand why some wrestlers are burnt out. And I get. Well, I don't know why they should. I don't why should they should be burnt out? They barely work and they get paid. <laughs> I mean, no. Know. If you go into the last year and a half, they shouldn't be burned out at all. They should be enthusiastic getting back to crowds. Yeah, exactly. And as I've said it since the start of this pandemic, um, mm-hmm. these empty arena shows are the closest you're going to get to an off season. And when they go back to crowds, which they are in a few more weeks or so, that's when things are going to start popping up. So the fans better not say shit or complain that oh, we're back, we're back 24 hours on a road or whatnot. Hey, we got their off season, and now it's time to get back to um on the road. By the way, Alistair Black, I think, is online uh, talking about his release right now. I guess he, he did mention him. something earlier, too. Yeah. Is like Tom, I was gonna say Tom Green. What the fuck? It's like Tom Tom's, his name is like he changed his name to whatever his name uh, uh, Tommy, yeah, in fact, Tommy he, yeah, End. He Tommy was, End. Tommy was on, <laughs> yeah, his independent name, Tommy. They called him Tommy Green. Tommy Green. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Green. Tommy. <laughs> it looks like he looks great. Steroids are amazing. It's Tom, like, Green. <laughs> Tom, Tom Green, Green looks, is awesome. He looks younger. He grew taller. Look, he looks great. <laughs> um, Tommy and um, he was on Twitch earlier. And here's some notes I gathered from when he was on Twitch. I watched okay. it. Dude, I watched this whole thing during my break. So it was worth the hour. Okay. He says, a dark father, the plans was to unroll over time and expand his role. This is mostly his idea, he said. He was super thankful for the exposure and the experience. He has a good relationship with Vince. And Vince could never nail down exactly what he wanted to say to Aleister Black. Hmm. He loved how Paul Heyman would go for the bat for him. And when doing the room promos, he would use the opponent's colors in the background of the room. He added Easter eggs to what he was doing. Black would lay out tarot cards and use those as inspirations for his gear. And often plan out colored jackets for fields. He gave one example about uh, Buddy Murphy and turning green with envy. So all colors were significant as to how he felt in the moment. He refers to his time in WWE as having shackles on and how much he got done while having those on and is excited to see what happens without them. He always takes, <clears throat> sorry, he always taken huge pleasure in creating characters. Here's a, here's a quote from Alistair was basically the devil with memory loss. What if Lucifer fell to earth and did not know how he got there? 
and what he had to atone for. So the angrier he got, the more dim and flesh would be added to his gear. He chose to continue with the eye from the angle where he lost an eye and he enjoyed researching cult leaders and noted they usually have a big aesthetic choice like white hair. The glasses are also his and Xavier Woods told him, you look like a cult leader. So he kept them for dark father. Let's see here. Let me get to some other notes that I thought was noteworthy. Oh, here's one. He says, don't get mad at your creative and then try to super hard and be good creative people. He mentioned Bruce Pritchard as going to bat for him also. The, opinion, the opinion was no one moves like him. No one is intense like him. In the last five years, I've proven to myself to be one of the most influential strikers in this generation. Here's something, here's something very interesting. He loves Andrade. He wasn't happy with his debut and, <clears throat> sorry, but for the two found ways to build up from it. After the match with Dream, a lot of people took notice, so he was going, given complete freedom for his own match after that. Right. He proved that he could take other people to the next level, so was fast forward to the main roster. The last three or four months in tag with Ricochet were probably professionally some of the, his favorite moments in his wrestling. He also talks about how they did NXT main rosters all week, but they had a ton of fun and learned so much because they were all so well-oiled. And I'm gonna get to the one with uh, Sean Ross because this one's this one's fucking hilarious. He says he says with lockdown, too many people have too much time on their hands and are focused on the wrong things. And he's talking about the internet fans too. He says he hopes people find a healthy focus for or positive thinking focus on. I mean to focus on. He also emphasizes personal responsibility and say, don't wake up 20 years from now wondering why you spent so fucking long arguing with people on the internet. And <laughs> says, all your potential on earth is great. Sorry, <laughs> in a very Oh, oh and sorry. And I was about to go back to the song roster. He was praised for asking to go to NXT and he also praised Telly, Terry Taylor there too because he helped him out over there when he first got there. And here's the one with Sean Ross. He says it programs fans to hate WWE with the dirt sheets. Sometimes it's a right, a broken clock is right twice away. And also shouts, oh, plans changed is the biggest cop out in the world. Sweet. And also takes a shot at Sean Ross. Oh, sign up for my Patreon for news about Thea. AKA, I mean, Tia, you know, his wife. And there is no news. You know, the whole analogy of um, sign up for this, but the reality is there is no news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he took a nice dig at Sean Ross. So those are the notes I took during the, his time on Twitch. Alistair Black took a shot at Sean Ross, huh? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, thoughts? Rob? Uh, honestly, you know, good fam. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, this he's not going to be sitting at home for long. Let's, let's be real. You know, this is a guy who has a lot of potential. Now he's freed up. Also, his girl's technically still not with the company. I know she did something with NXT recently, but she's not really under contract as far as we know. Uh, so, you know, there's sky's the limit for these guys. So... As he's got sounds like he's got the right head. I know he just did a collab. He has his own clothing label too, Black Mass Clothing, and uh, he just did a collaboration with a really big YouTuber I know called Wang. 
Justin Wang and they just collaborated on a shirt together. So he's also not going to probably be hungry for money. <laughs> so he's not going to rush. I think he'll, he's one of those guys you're going to sit and wait and probably find out like in September, October. Oh, well, I don't know when they're 90 days, right? They get they still have 90 days, even though they got released, right? That's how he, that works. Yeah, he's still missing something, though. He was never going to be the Undertaker. He couldn't hold Undertaker's urn, I mean, down the aisle. Uh, he's <laughs> oh, never going to – what, what, what is he, 5'11", you know, 175, legit? He's not 200 pounds. I, I don't know where he's going to be a big – deal I, I mean i i and I, listen he's there's nothing to do with because well, because he's not american i'm like no nah, it's nothing to do with that the danish accent or whatever he has uh i just there's something missing with him there's just something missing i don't know what it is being all tattooed up and scary guy this has been done before you know many many times by better people um i i just don't see it you know rising up is he a vampire i never really got what he was he's into black metal Okay, well, black black metal bands are not known as tough guy bands, uh, you know. So it's like to me, it's like it's one step above emo. So it's like I don't, I don't really I don't really get. I'm in the industry. Right? <laughs> Alistair Black is every kid who walks through that we search going into an emo show. So I mean, I don't really see under under Undertaker is six ten, like a fucking beast of a man, like you know, just a one of a kind, you know, enigma. Alistair Black is every guy I know with a bad haircut and too many tattoos for his own good. Um, so I, I don't so, get it. So Kev, you're saying that he looks like everyone you kicked out of a club? No, um, he just he just he looks like a lot of guys in bands. Like I can't. I, what distinguishes him? He's average sized guy. He's under 200 pounds. I mean, what what's his deal? He's got a shark tattoo on his stomach. Interesting. I mean, other than that, I, he throws kicks. Right. He's a kickboxer, but unfortunately, this is professional wrestling. Um, I mean, I, listen, I get to the point where I think Kama, the supreme fighting machine, was a better gimmick. I, I don't know oh what Alistair God. Black's gimmick is. Is he, what is he, he's a vampire? I never got that the creaking, like almost casket Dracula-like uprising. I never got it. I don't get it. I, almost, I understood Mordecai's character better than him. Mordecai was the antithesis of uh, Undertaker. He was the white, white, like white, uh, pale rider version of I Undertaker. I never got to yeah. even utilize that gimmick. Bro. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I never, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, again, I don't know what Alistair Black is. He's a tattooed guy who's a good kickboxer and he does squats in the ring like a, almost like a, like this uh like zen like he's in zen or something with like rob van dam does yeah so i i don't get it like again i'm trying to understand what alistair black was and maybe tommy n will just be that i'm a yeah i'm, I'm like a ken shamrock type i'm a real fighter and i can go and i think they, he's gonna have to change the whole black metal thing i think that just didn't catch on um you know they even had that band perform from what the hell is the name of that band i can't remember um so again, they gave him a big push in NXT. And I think he was one of those guys that in NXT, the big fish in small pond, very good. Then when they put him in the big pond, you're right. But he did, before they kind of cut him down, they did give him somewhat of a push for a little bit there. And I Briefly. think, yeah, they didn't know what to do with him. And again, I'm into metal. I'm a tattooed guy too. And I don't know what he's all about. So See, again, I, it's, you know, no, when, you're changing, when you're changing a gimmick around, I, the best gimmicks are the ones that you are, you incorporate in who you are. Okay, back we don't have guys any day. There's very few wrestlers now that live the gimmick, right? Because you really do separate yourself. Uh, you know, um, like, like like Dick Murdoch. Not Dick Murdoch. Yeah, Dick, Dick Murdoch lived the gimmick. You know, his yeah. best match to me was against Velveteen Dream at that takeover. Yeah, who's also well, gone. All those guys gone. Andrade it looks like uh, that whole little crew's gone there, huh? Yeah, they're yeah. all gone. Yeah. My my thing is at the end of the day is. 
I didn't mind the entrance. You need a, a captivating entrance. He had a captivating entrance. He was unique in the ring. Maybe the outfit wasn't right. Maybe it was, you know, he didn't need to talk. You know, some guys don't need to talk. He has a unique look. Like you said, sometimes when I look at wrestlers, if their outfits, are, you know, I think now the showmanship, I think the people remember older wrestlers because their gimmick, their wrestling attire, as cokey as the wrestler was, you ask someone who the berserker was, you know. Yeah. If I say who Vader was, you know. You know, you can say like Barbarian, the Warlord. You remember exactly what those dudes look like. You know, Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate yeah. Warrior. You know, here it is. Like a lot of these guys are just all wearing black trunks, and you know the kick boots, and they got the shin guards on it, whatever, and that's it. And everyone's kind of tattooed. Lots of wrestlers tattooed now, and it's not. Now it's not a big deal. You can tattoo. The only person who's not allowed to tattoo their arms is apparently uh, Rhea Ripley. She's only allowed to tattoo her legs because she can't because she wears pants. Uh, but everybody else, you know, they can tattoo themselves up. My thing is, when you get to that point, like, now you look like it. Even, like, with Punk, right? Like, CM Punk, at least his shorts represented Chicago. He had the color scheme. He would change it. But, you know, when you saw that look, you knew it was Punk, right? Mm-hmm. But, right. like, and I'll agree that, like, when Alice Black came to the ring, if you're watching an indie, let's say if he was an indie show, there's a bunch of guys that are about his size and all tattooed up, and they all wear black shorts. Right. You don't stand out like that. You know, I think the idea, at least with the entrance, the music, the look, it worked. I thought the way he looked with the stupid eye patch, at least it made him look like an individual. He didn't look like anybody else. I thought the idea of the knocking on the door would have been cooler, metaphorically, if they allowed it to actually happen, you know? Get someone open up that door and get it a big name person, not some fucking third tier, fourth tier fucking wrestler at the time. Buddy Murphy, whatever he was at that time, didn't get, wasn't having the push of his life when he was feuding with fucking knocking on my door bullshit. There was no, he was, it wasn't like if he, if someone knocked on the door, you open up the door, fucking let's say uh, Roman Reigns was standing there mm-hmm. or fucking, you know, Bobby Lashley or you'd be like, oh shit, it's on, right? But when you fucking pull in and you knock on the door, it's like, Oh, it's that one guy with the short hair. I know the Miz beat him for seven weeks in a row. What's that kid's name? Then no one's going to care. You know, you don't show up on the Piper's pit and, and then you're not fucking snooker getting hit with um, whatever, getting hit with a fucking coconut. You know, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't mean anything. You know, you, you have to make that mean something too for the, for the, for the talent. You want to put somebody over. If Alistair is the one doing the vignette, the person coming into the feud needs to be important. That's mm. how best gimmicks work. When you're feuding, it has to be. When that door opens up and someone walks through that door, your attention is supposed to turn to that door going, who the fuck is coming through that door, right? Every match or anything that's being set up for a feud has to make sense in that perspective. Mm. And I don't blame Alistair for that because he had no control over who he is feuding with. That was creative. That was whoever. His look, whatever, maybe could a little bit been a little bit better. Personally, I thought in the ring he he was good. He is good, and not was he is good. He's not fucking dead. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, changing your look, changing something to give you something more to not be different. You need to differentiate who you were to who you are. Yeah, you need to shed who you used to be, right. especially when you're leaving a company. <clears throat> So that was the releases news of today. Uh, last week, we got two double doses of The Ultimate Warrior, one on Dark Side of the Ring and the other on the a documentary. 
before we go for our analysis, did either of you see both of them yet? Yes, so I'm both. I I have not, man. I'm fucking. I I I only care about the vice ones. I I, I haven't seen any. Disappointed. Is it really that bad? Oh, horrible. Yeah. It was, not that it was bad. It was just not only that it was bad. It was just. Let's just say they promoted it as a good hit piece, but it didn't turn out what it was expected. So Which, I should just go back and watch the self destruction of the Ultimate War again on DVD and just be done with it. Yeah, no, much. because it's just that it's 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 a, it's it's totally slanted. It's a complete hit piece, and they also disavowed that uh, that DVD. So I mean, the WWE. Yeah, and um, I was gonna also yeah. bring up. There's a lot of things that both documentaries left out on, and even though I did not like the A and E documentary, I. When I put two and two aside, I think the A&D one's the stronger um, documentary. Oh, yeah. No, I heard uh, Solo Monster and JD and all of them agree and said the same thing. It's like you can't deny it was it was done better. It was it was better production, uh, you know, and they had better people on there, a different cavalcade of different guests. Actually, people who knew Jim and went to high school with him and went to chiropractor school with him. And Vice I mean, didn't have that. No, they had people barely knew him. David Manning barely knew Ultimate Warrior. So it was like, and same Jim Cornette met him twice. It's like, you know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you had that, 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 that also Vice. goes, sorry, that also goes yeah. back to the A&E documentary. Who are some of these, why do they have some of these podcasters like fucking Sam Roberts or Peter Rosenberg or that other guy's oh, well, talking P- P- Sam and Peter are, oh. are hooked up in the mainstream. I mean, they're they're as big as it gets. They're bigger than Conrad, bigger than... They're, they're, well, they're yeah, the they're bigger level. than... Yeah. The, for the context yeah. of this documentary, why was they needed? And I like Vince Russo, but why was he needed on the a documentary? The, do, he never even met him. He was a freaking magazine writer when Ultra Warrior came back in 96. Oh, that's a, you know, a lot of people barely met him. And I think that's why it was important. They had uh, his uh, high school coach on and that they had his friend, his classmate who we graduated with high school from and the people who went to the reunion with him um, when he went to his high school reunion. So people who grew up in Indiana with him. I think that was important. Um, you know, the Amy documentary to me was just, it just was, uh, having the kids on and his wife and, yeah. uh, you know, Vince wasn't on too much. Triple H wasn't on this one. So, you know, Triple H, they, they didn't, uh, pepper it in with uh, the shot calls, the WWE. They didn't have Bruce Pritchard on, thank God, cause he would be ridiculous. <laughs> um, but they, you know, what I liked about it was just the footage and that rough footage of hearing Vince, uh, in the background yes. telling him, all right, Jim, look at the camera. Like, right, want me to do it again? And it's so weird to see him stop being Ultimate Warrior and talking normal, and then it's like, I'll take two. And I was like, I've never seen that before, so I found that very interesting. Hey, speaking about one of the footage, I wanted to bring this up, Rob. You remember the story Bret Hart told about Warrior um, blowing off a kid at the airport? Yes. Yes. Um, there was footage on his a documentary of Vince McMahon and Warrior filming an apology video for that kid. And in between the takes, when Warrior was getting way too hot, Vince was like, it's a work, pal. It's a fucking work. Well, because he uh, Jim was saying he didn't mean he doesn't mean the apology. If why do an apology if you don't mean it? And Vince is telling him, just do it in character. And it's not Jim apologizing, it's ultimate warrior. So he was trying to like psychologically. Because his Warriors thing is, I'm the fucking champion. I'm kissing this kid's ass for what? You know, I'm the world champion. And this guy, because the father is like in friends with the investment banker from WWE. There was a whole connection there with uh, WWE and, and someone who uh, had uh, props in some buildings in Connecticut uh, that WWE ran out of. So it was just, it was a very, it was political. And I think that like, that was the, that's what, that was the catalyst and I had heard that from someone who's friends with Warrior, my friend Pete, who was really good friends with Warrior. 
told me that 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 was when Warrior was like, fuck this company. They're making me grovel at a fucking 10 year old. And I'm the fucking champion. I'd never see Hogan have to do something like this. So again, he Warrior gave Vince that ultimatum uh, letter. Vince wrote him back a letter because they weren't communicating anymore. So they wrote handwritten letters to each other, <laughs> like several pages long, like almost like a Dear John letter to each well, other. I've well, seen well, some. Uh, sorry, I was going to also say there's one good quote on the Dark Side of the Ring episode from Warrior's first ex-wife. She said, and this is around the time they started talking about the peak of his career when he beat Hogan at the yeah. WrestleMania Six. She said, at that point on, Jim Hellwig never returned home, and the Ultimate Warrior did. Yeah, but the, you know one thing they left out about his first wife. Did you know when she found out that Jim was dating Dana? That she drove her car into Jim's house. Yeah, I know they left that out. Yeah, I know they left that out. Yeah, they left. They that also, out. they also Dark House. So could have been attempted murder. Dark Side Ring. Also, both Dark Side and the A&E documentary left out the WCW run too. And Dark Side yep. had Eric Bischoff as a talking head, and I was thinking, okay, when are we going to get to his WCW run? And they didn't do it. No, nothing about it nothing on either show which i thought was really weird listen it was not anything to write home about but i, I don't i guess they found like listen we got to cut like one section out here we have to talk about all's returns to wwe to show that him and vince couldn't quit each other basically they they were obviously were they had some a sort of relationship. narrative yeah that of the narrative but i think the wcw thing just in the grand scheme of things didn't mean much of anything and i think it's just you know to the point of, you know, WCW again, you know, everyone who went there, Brett went there, was measurable. Warrior went there, was measurable. Everyone was me- Roddy Piper went there, was measurable. We, we, you know, it's been done already. I, Bischoff had no business on the documentary. Uh, but the thing is, and my friend Pete said, here's the reason why a lot of Warrior's friends aren't in the documentary. They're all fucking dead. Yeah. You know, Kurt Henning, all those guys, Rick Rude, all those dudes that he was friendly. Randy Savage is one of his best friends, and Randy's dead. They're all dead. So there wasn't anybody. Crush is dead. All those guys were dead that work with him, that he was friends. Even Kamala had great words about him. Kamala's dead, too. Because mm. everyone was saying that Kamala was alive, he probably would have been on the documentary to tell him that, you know, quite honestly, I think it's funny that people call Jim racist because as a black man, Jim was one of the only guys who treated me decently. And he let me go in his limousine. I stayed in his hotel room. He goes, Hogan treated me like shit. So it's like, you know, that was the funny thing is people were picking clips from Kamala who said Ultimate Warrior was hand, head and shoulders much better to me than Hulk Hogan treated me. And so it, it's again, it's very strange uh, how they went with this. But again, so many people from that era are dead. You know, I mean, Jim Cornette speaking for Bobby Heen and other uh, I had heard he had, but you know who said good things about Warrior, but he wasn't on and I'd seen it was Jimmy Hart. But for some reason, they left him out. I heard Jimmy Hart got on the cutting room floor, which is weird. No, no Jimmy Hart was in the documentary. Was he in the documentary? But I think yeah, they, they cut out a lot of his parts. He was, yeah, he was very briefly, though. Let me also bring up the other controversial stuff about Warrior that the AD one kind of whitewashed and the Dark Side of the Ring one kind of did correct. Yeah, yeah, they fucking whitewashed it. I'm going to call it as it is. The whole thing when he was doing public speaking, the whole thing when he was at the university and that public speaking engagement, Data Warrior yeah, tried to, Data Warrior yeah, tried to, um, oh, brother Kev, Data Warrior tried to spin this to make it seem like the reason Warrior did this in his first place because he listened to some radio shows, but online on the websites itself. Oh, he's a Rush Limbaugh fan. That was true. Well, it may may have been true, but I don't believe that was the reason for him to get into public speaking to begin with on these topics that I'm going to bring up. 
some of those controversial well, topics. Second, Julian, before you go on, Kevin, it's almost mm-hmm. eight fifteen. Oh no, it's okay. I, I I I just texted. I just told my friend I'll call him at eight thirty, so don't worry about it. Oh, okay, right. I got fifteen <laughs> more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the controversial sub- subjects that we know Warrior said over the years. He said on freaking websites that it was Dana Warrior's idea. So what does Dana Warrior does on this INA documentary? Dodge completely dodges over all those questions about that, about where it come from. You should see her reactions, Rob, once once um her stuff comes up. Cause that was completely whitewashing there. And that website is completely off the freaking internet now. You can't even find it on a way back machine. Yeah, they did a good job with that. I actually think, uh, you know, the, well, the one thing is she was a member of the the uh, young female conservatives thing, I think, in college or something like that. But that's not really evidence. And I don't think uh, I think Warrior was, uh, you know, much the beat of his own drum. I highly doubt his wife had control over that because there's no quotes of Dana saying anything like that. So, you know what I'm saying? They, they never pulled up. They would have found it by now. Uh, of no, her, it's no uh, quotes of Dana saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Warrior, what I'm saying. So it's kind of like... Warrior credited it um, to her that it was her idea. I, I, yeah, again, but that's... Uh, with Dana not on record saying it verbally or in writing, that could be just Jim making up something, you know? So you really don't even know. And, and Dana not wanting to sell out a Warrior and say... Uh, my husband, I don't know, you know, he brought me up that I was an influencer, but I've actually never said that. But again, it's a very touchy thing because, you know, this is the mother of his kids and she probably wants to be protective of him. Uh, well, especially you know, as of now, we all saw that, like how when he died, she became the focal point of that brand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we also know for a like fact Vicky, that like she had a Vicky Guerrero like thing without being an in-ring talent. Yeah. Right. At the same time, at the end of the day, there was also rumors she was planning to leave him. And there was a lot of that going around. And then, I, then he I, I heard that's died. not true. Well, you know, it's funny because the one, most of Jim's siblings are dead. Uh, Warriors, yeah. other brothers dead too. Uh, he has three brothers, two are dead. The one that's alive was the one who was uh, saying that he was broken and everything. And they're saying that that dude's estranged uh, from the family and he's not even. Well, it's hard to be estranged from a family when you ain't got no family left. Well, he's got the mother. The mother <laughs> no, the Warriors' mother is alive and well. Julian, you saw his mother, right? His mother yeah, yeah, his mom is still alive. Well, I was alive and well. So again, I think that, uh, you know, listen, I, you know, we have some weirdos in my family too. Uh, some have the same last name as me, but uh, you know, uh, you can't, sometimes family says stuff that you just like, well, what did uncle Pete say? Like, what was that all about? So, you know, again, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Cause we've got all oh, his brother. I'm like, yeah, but he didn't talk to his brother for 28 years. So, you know, there must be something behind that too. And uh, again, why don't you reach out to your brother and try and make amends with him instead of going to the press and telling him he's broke? So it's like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I just well, let's I, also let's also talk about the uh, Jake Roberts story on Ducks. Oh, about Warrior. I gotta, I gotta say this. Oh. He was either full of shit for most of that story totally because, full of shit. <laughs> because he kind of mixed up his stories at times. It was a story about um he was supposed to be next in line for WWE. Ninety one Warrior wasn't even the champion. Warrior wasn't champion. He had lost to Slaughter and Slaughter. Ninety one Warrior was just on the card. He wasn't even wearing gold at that time. He was, he was not the champion. Yeah, well, I, I was also going to bring yeah. it up yeah. after Hogan. Uh, Warrior feuded with Rick Rude. He then feuded with the Undertaker. And who did he mm-hmm. fit with after that? Sergeant Slaughter. Papa and then Papa Shango. Yeah. So Jake came back in '92. Yeah. Jake. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and Papa Shango. Jake's timeline of that is kind of um, messed up to the wrong um, alley, if you know what I mean. 
Most yeah. wrestlers, when they were calling shit, especially as the older ones that did lots of drugs, no disrespect. I'm looking at you, they, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> they all tend to, like even Bret Hart's recollection, even Mick Foley's recollection, yeah. you read the book, even Chris Jericho, when you read their books and you look at the footage, that's why I love Botchamania. They'll pull up the, when they tell the story, they bring the match to show you. And it's never exactly right, you know, because they're right. doing best right. These are guys that are concussed, former drug addicts, old, they have been in wrestling matches, 300 days out of the year. You, you want them to remember specifics. Their brain is remembering stuff to the best of their knowledge. So with that, I'll let it go. So there was probably some talks or something. That's all Jake probably remembers. You know what I'm saying? Like, and well, that's he also, his narrative well, is. Well, his memory goes back to 2014 for this piece also on Dark Side because he brings up the Hall of Fame where he said he's he had a, a round photo quarters in his pocket. He was ready to I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe it either. <laughs> Diamond, Diamond, so Dallas, Diamond Dallas Page saved his fucking life and career. He would have wrecked Dallas. Scott Hall would have never gotten all of it. He would have ruined everything for everybody. He would have been blackballed and DDP would have probably murdered him. And Scott Hall. Remember, Scott was in uh, got in the Hall of Fame too yes. because of DDP. DDP uh, yeah, paved that bridge. <laughs> Right, and Jake would have did that to DDP. What if I was Diamond Dallas Page? I would have said, "Asshole, why would you go on TV and say something like that? How stupid you make me look for that stupid." We did that, Jake, the, the resurrection of Jake the Snake, yeah. and all along you were planning to sabotage the Hall of Fame. You fucking asshole! If I was once again, it's bullshit it's talk. talk. You know, no, I know it's bullshit talk, but he was trying to come off. And Jake Roberts has never been a fucking tough guy, and and not for nothing. Tomorrow night we can hear about his. Uh, Quite honestly, I don't even know if that story about Grizzly Smith is true. Grizzly Smith has been in the wrestling business. He was employed in Mid-South. He worked with Ernie Ladd for years and Bill Watts and all those guys. All this thing about the incestual things and he's sleeping with rock around. I don't even know if any of that's true. Uh, I have no the guy uh, is the guy is uh, I kind of think it is true. What why do you think it why do you think it is? Why was why is Jake Roberts a no a complete drug addict, lush loser? No, because there's other family members are going to tell the story. That's it's not that's, going to be that's all well that's all well and good but so you're telling me that this that went on for 50 years and then all of a sudden like what, what people decided that oh you can go to an outlet and tell stories about it they were all in wrestling for years rock and rob was in wwf well father got her in the wwf so again what after the bloom came off the rose for sam houston and rock and robin in wrestling they realized they don't need him anymore their father and now it's time to tell the tale i don't like the way these things go i don't like the fact that Grizzly Smith got Jake in the business, got Rock and Rob in the business. Then all of a sudden, all what he did to him, I'm like, why are you accepting help from him and getting in the business at a business that you claim made him this terrible person that he was and this indifferent kind of human to people because he was in this fantasy world? Well, I, would, I, don't, I, I don't get that vicious cycle. Well, I, just, I would like to bring up Beyond the Map because he told a lot of those same stories on yeah, that documentary, too. Yeah, he was also too. drunk and high as a fucking guy. Believe a drug Listen, addict. It's very, very true that a lot of people are evil and fucked up. And there's no way. And we know for a fact companies and wrestling companies especially don't give a fuck what they do personally. Laws it doesn't affect their dollar bill and who cares what Grizzly Smith did outside as long as he didn't affect the business inside? If Grizzly Smith affected the business negatively while he was wrestling part and they knew about it, yeah. But there's other stuff. I can tell you right now, I know a person in my who used to be a friend of mine whose mother and his father, his father was married to the mother's daughter. The mother fucked the father for this guy to be born and their whole family stayed together regardless and this guy was and i met this guy's father 
the biggest piece of shit and he fucked another one of the relatives and another one and no one stopped it. Okay, you understand me? That fucking happens in real life and you don't talk about it. And we, I had asked my friend like, dude, this is fucked up. He's like, yeah, my cousin's also my brother and my sister's my half mother and aunt. He's like, what am I supposed to fucking do about it? I'm here and I got to live. That was what his thing was, you know? He took it that way. And you, you, he, my friend hated his father. But guess what happens sometimes? You need people. And if you, I can't fucking take care of my friend. I've got to take care of myself, right? So he goes to his dad. Hey, dad, you got a job for me. And that's, this is a, this ain't Jake. This is a real fucking person who I'm looking out my window. I see where he used to live around the corner, okay? For fucking four, 35, 40 years he lived there. Right? He doesn't live here no more. But he had that. And you just deal with it. You understand? Guarantee you. Listen, what about the Von Herrings family? The whole fucking that father was the biggest piece of shit going, uh, and they I, praised I the father. I don't know about that. I mean, again, this is a lot of narrative, and you know, as I look at Chris, Chris Smith has never been arrested. He's never been charged with anything. Uh, matter of fact, Sam Houston, his son, who will be in the documentary tomorrow, lived with him. They actually survived Hurricane Katrina together. Yeah. Uh, again, look at this thing. There is uh, this is completely told by Jake Roberts and Rock and Robin only. There was no police reports. There is no again. We have to be very careful here. I because I, to me, we are taking the word of Jake the Snake Roberts. I, I, let me tell you something right now. Mark my words, Julian. Look it up. The ratings. Grizzly Smith will be the lowest rated episode because nobody gives a fuck. I'm telling that you, right now, no one is going to watch this. No one knows who Grizzly Smith is. The no, rest no, of right, exactly. no, right, right, exactly. I mean, again, I mean, only you two, never only know because are Rock or Jake Robinson, Rock and Rob. There are no other on record accusers, anything's ever been filed. This is once I, again, I have there's narratives, kind of but stuff. I also know there's lots of stuff with that guy who I know personally, I'm telling you for experience. I know, but no one arrested. We, no we, one ever fucking arrested. Right, this but we man. can't, we can't put that upon other people. I think, and also, like I said, because God forbid, it happens to someone we know and they get railroaded. There has to be due process, and that, and things have to be proper protocol. Or, yeah, or you're never going to resolve or or find out anything. At the same time, people who are families don't always report shit because there's nothing that's going to change it. It, and that's what it used to yeah, be. Yeah, like, also no, 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 it's I, much I, I, different now. Uh, yeah, for yeah it's much different. But, it's much yeah. different now. I mean, we're about to come up to a full year of what happened last year with the Speak Out movement. We've heard none of these stories until that movement happened. Some of them have. Point. Some of them had validity, and some of them didn't. You know but that's I mean? the point. Regardless, in real life, validity and fake always go hand in hand. World Trade Center happened. There's people who actually were hurt and affected. There's people who scumbag for the money. It happens no matter what it is. Yeah, but at the end of the day, why didn't people report shit? Because it didn't always happen like that back then. Remember, you're thinking 90s, 2000s over shit that happened 50s and 60s where you shut your mouth, you don't talk about your family, and you don't, you don't keep it outside the house. And you remember that. Anyone who would report shit back then, they were the ones ostracized. Yeah. yeah. Very common. That's the difference of why I do believe it because the ostracization of, oh my God, you, and then, oh, now I'm the half breed of a person who's a rape victim. Oh, and the rape victim, oh, well, she's nuts. Obviously, she asked for it because that's how it used to be. Right. Yeah. You understand? That's why I believe this because I know from my friend and they never did anything about it. And I, you would ask them, why, man? Go, you can still go and talk to somebody and get help. You, this doesn't have to be like this. What's it going to help? 
And yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just I, I think Jake Roberts is a greasy scumbag, and I <laughs> I have nothing for him. <laughs> to at your all. point, Kev. Yes. Last year when the Herb Abrams episode debuted, nobody knew who he was, and it turned I, out I to be one was. of the well, I did too, but the majority, I mean. No, but okay, that wasn't watch but, but, but cocaine and hookers is a fun story. Sleeping with your daughter is not a fun story. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, yeah, that's that. that. Not, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There's a difference between a guy who, whose last moments of life were naked, greased up with cocaine, rubbed around his mouth, <laughs> with a machete in his hand. Exactly. Or some shit. Like, yeah, you know, no, there's yeah. a difference. Like, that's the story you want in Correction, Rob. It was a baseball bat. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, that's the story you go, like, wait, what happened? How'd that guy die? Oh, I need to fucking watch this shit. This is fucking get the popcorn for this, you know. Sob stories don't know. Sob stories don't always work. I understand your point, Kev. No. Sob stories don't work, but sometimes stories need to be told regardless, even if it's cathartic for those people. And you take when we watch any of these documentaries, regardless of where they come from, you need as a viewer to take that perspective into account and know that it's always going to be someone's narrative, right. no matter what documentary you watch. Yes. When we watched the Bret Hart documentary, the one that Bret Hart actually was a part of when he was getting fired from WWF. Right. That, that was, yeah, that documentary started it off about his father. It was, then they were like, oh shit, this dude's getting fired yeah. and they're fucking him. Now here's our story. But the, yeah. because the original documentary was about how his relationship with his dad, his dad was not. Oh, yeah, you remember yeah. it, it, they, the that. narrative changed because they needed to change this so much. Because if that shit, let me tell you right now, if Brett didn't get the fucking Montreal screw job, that documentary no one would fucking remember because we're boring as fuck. Yeah, that, 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 the Montreal screw job showed a lot of light to that documentary. It saved that documentary. It did. And just, it did. Uh, just no disrespect. When 9-11 happened, that French documentary about the fire department, right. that would have been a basic fire department story, maybe about drinking, being a young fireman. But no, they would just happen to be there and be the fire company with the World Trade Center. You know what I'm saying? The, the narrative changes as needed to tell a story. When you watch Dark Side of the Rain, when you watch the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, when you watch the A&E documentaries, these are people's narratives for the people involved in who's producing the show. Yeah. And take that with a grain of salt. Listen to their story. Judge the people on their merit. You look people, if you don't know how to judge a human being, don't watch documentaries. You need to find your perspective and believe in somebody by how their body language, their eyes, the way they yeah. talk about shit. But I and think... Then, yeah, I, I think documentaries have a responsibility, though, to, to fact check. And I don't think a lot of these documentaries do. I think they let people get on the camera and just. There's not been one documentary that's ever properly fact checked. Unless it was on a discovery, something about, you know, history and shit. The only time you're going to get a documentary that might tell a story. For fuck's sakes, people would, <laughs> rather, people would rather watch Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter over Abraham Lincoln. I know, okay? but when you're, when you're this shit. you should be glad a lot of these guys are dead then because there'll be major lawsuits if you have no evidence to accuse somebody of yeah, uh, you know, life kind of sexual assault. I mean, that's, you know, because but this is something that Jake's been telling since the 90s and nothing's happened, has never been because no one. What, well, you know why? Because if it, his tongue came notarized, they'd be like, no, nah, this is not real. So, again, he had no credibility. That's why no one listened to him. And the only reason they listen to him now is because he cleaned up his act. And I think he'll be back on the fucking pipe some some way down the road. <laughs> oh, uh, brother. I, I, fuck, him, fuck him and the horse he running. <laughs> Uh, because I, 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 I Jake I, owes Kevin money at some point. No, no, I just find I just find him to be a slimy, reprehensible person. I just don't like him, uh, you know. And 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 uh, not for nothing, there was a, a thing where 
uh, he did a show uh, that I was involved in at uh, Gold Sounds in Brooklyn. Oh, I and remember this story. He was a miserable <laughs> asshole being there, and he didn't want to be there, and he left right after they paid him, and he walked right out the door. So it was just like, you know, like... He, 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 See, there you go. I knew there was something more. <laughs> no, I, I, just I, I, scrape no, the surface. We no, no, it. no, absolutely wrong. I didn't like him before that. They asked me to intervene because I knew wrestling, and the guys who ran the club didn't know wrestling. I right. wasn't there. I didn't go. I didn't fucking go. So I was like, I wasn't there. I wouldn't, I didn't want to be there. I so you know, disrespect, I agree with you because I would do, the, if this was about Ultimate Warrior, I would do the same fucking thing. <laughs> I would, no, I would Warrior, be shit like, on. I've well, never, I've never liked Well, Rob, guys. that's yeah, before like, he gives you an entire rant about the city, but that's the story for another day. <laughs> but <laughs> all in all, the, I thought the A, the Andy documentary was stronger, even though I felt like this was a bit too whitewashed for me. There's some strong points the A1, the A and W have one. Sorry, the A and E one had over the dark side of the ring one. And I'm a, disappointed with that too. <laughs> I I am too. I was looking forward to this one for dark side of the ring because of the way they promoted it. But the A and E one was stronger. Yeah, it and was, and it better was. than a Mick Foley documentary too. But oh, I, know I, you I, can... I had enough of Mick Foley. He's too good for <laughs> you know, my <laughs> thing at the end of the day is like I've heard so many people had a lot of problem with the other A and E documentaries. That's why I had no faith in these. Yeah, there was there was other problems with the yeah. one, any ones. Uh, for example, the Macho, Macho Man Randy Savage one. That one to me was a one hundred percent hit piece. Yeah, because again, uh, no one was looking out for him. Most of his friends are dead, and yet Hogan and that idiot. Uh, fucking Bubba the Love Yeah, I was gonna say Man Cow, same guy, right? Bubba Love Yeah, yeah same show. Yeah. Man Cow uh, in the morning. Oh uh, yeah, like these idiot fucking of jo- uh, 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 shock jocks, you know, who don't, don't have anything else to do. Talking about Randy Savage in like a mocking tone, and I'm just like, and poor Lanny Poffo is the only guy, and I think Lanny is just exhausted defending his brother. He's just yeah. exhausted. He spent how long just defending him? Oh, oh about a decade now. Since more literally, than literally about ten years. Oh yeah, more than a decade. Can you imagine that your your brother locked Liz in the closet? No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he, you know, how irritating that's got to be. I yeah. mean, so for Lanny Poffo, it's like my brother didn't lock anybody in class. They, they never, I was there. I was a wrestler there. I was a job guy there. I was there as much as he was. She wasn't locked in the and fucking no closet. And no matter what, what makes that worse with that, well, we shouldn't be talking about this too much, but yeah. the idea is every wrestler found it funny to annoy Mach, knowing how protective he yeah, was. Yeah, they liked wife. it. They did it on purpose. What the fuck kind of environment is that? Yep. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's there's the problem. When I watched the very first time they talked about it, the first documentary, when uh, was it the WWE one or wherever they did, wherever the first time they made a thing about about this, even before the uh, dark side of the ring, they've had interviews about it all the time. And every time you ever see an RNH RNF video or whatever, and they all tell about much. Oh yeah, it was funny. We always fuck with them. And I'm like, dude, if the man took that shit that personal, I, a joke is shitting in somebody's bag. Not yeah. a good joke, but it's a joke. <laughs> but then you go and fuck with this man every chance you get. Who is it going to really hurt? You're hurting the guy's wife because you know he's very possessive. He loves his wife. He doesn't trust yeah. you motherfuckers. And every time you do this, you're rounding up the motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, like, that's wrong. That is. That, and, and nowadays, workplaces, shit like that happen in a workplace, the people who did it would be fired. Yeah, in a workplace, not like wrestling is not a workplace, <laughs> but in a workplace, <laughs> stuff, I, I had a problem. A guy was fucking with this guy at my job. I turned to the guy, said, If you don't cut your shit out, I'm suspending you right now. Yeah, and you do it again, you'll go on probation. 
If you do it after that, you're fucking fired. I'm just joking. It doesn't fucking matter if you're joking. Here's how jokes work. You do a joke, the person laughs. He does a joke, you laugh. He's not laughing. Yeah. There's no joke. It's a one-sided uh, abuse. You're right. So so far, the, the of the documentaries, the Booker T one's the best one. Uh, Kev, I, I know you. Seen any of these? <laughs> Kev, I know you gotta go, but I'll plug your stuff and also happy birthday before your birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, Castle and Chicky podcast adventure is going very well. I couldn't be happier. Uh, we just uh, dropped a new show today. Uh, and it's about old school wrestling. I figured we're not a wrestling show. We're, you know, entertainment show. We talk about movies, TV shows, music, uh, pop culture, everything. But we did a special old school uh, WWF uh, 90s kind of raw edition because my podcast partner, Carolyn, is a big fan from that era. She's not a fan of modern wrestling, but she knows like the back of her hand old school 90s WWF. So we had a great conversation, great shows, like a two-hour show. Dropped today, uh, and it's called WWF, uh, WWE Throwback Edition. Uh, and again, we're really happy with uh, the numbers and how we're doing and on the Rational Rage Network. And it's on, uh, drops every Wednesday, and you can sign up for Rational Rage Network, subscribe, and you'll get an indication every time a new show drops every week. We record on Monday, and then the shows drop uh, Wednesday, 12 noon, every Wednesday. So awesome. it's, it's been it's been good. We're we're six episodes in, and uh, next week we're doing the rise and fall of grunge music. So that's oh really boy, awesome. <laughs> I think you might need a yeah, big Rob in for that one. <laughs> oh, maybe we might be, maybe we'll bring Rob in for that one. Yeah, we're gonna have a debate. You know, you know I'm a, I'm an Allison Chains guy. She's a Nirvana guy, so it should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. And see, that's once again just like talk about wrestling. All these fuckers are dead now. It's just fucking sad. Bro. Yeah, we're gonna get into <laughs> that too. It's almost like a parallel to wrestling, and, and like just. Uh, uh, you know, and there was a lot of offshoot bands that had the one hit and the yeah. same, you know, uh, the, different like, you know, Seven Mary Three and Candlebox and box, Silver Chair and, you know, who all came out. So there's a lot to the story, almost similar to wrestling, where there were the big the big four and then they had the uh, like kind of the uh, offshoot bands who had little success and then disappeared, almost like the way hair metal did. So it's going to cool. it's going to be fun. And then uh, in uh, two weeks, we're going to do a whole Friday the 13th franchise breakdown. So that should be a lot of fun. So again, just having fun doing different stuff. But I'm still involved in uh, the Patreon, DTKC Patreon. I'm still there. I'll be there tomorrow night doing Castle Chronicles. Anybody wants to sign up? I think it's still like $2. So uh, still doing every Thursday night at 10 o'clock uh, Castle Chronicles and doing the show with Trez every other week, KNT. So again, uh, still doing old stuff, but doing a lot of new things too. Kev, I'm glad I brought you on for this episode because I, you know, the second these two episodes came out of the Autumn Warrior, mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling we was going to debate this episode. That's why I asked you first. I was like, hey, you want to debate this? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm accustomed to a lot of people not like and worry. But, uh, you know, like I said, he was always one of my favorites. And I, I, I my friend Pete uh, Fallis is a very good friend of Warriors and his family. And I, Pete's a great guy. And I trust him. I know Pete for 25 years so again i i have kind of a, a little intel into the 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 warrior family and uh dana's dana's a good woman she is i think she just is putting bad situations always having to defend her husband and the daughters are great kids i mean they're really good girls i think they're going to be something in their lives and i think that's the best legacy he can leave and even if he has a controversial one uh his kids can leave a, a great one and, and yeah. better better themselves you know what i mean and his kids have nothing to do with what he was involved in they and, weren't, uh, weren't alive when he did this stuff. yeah yeah exactly so uh and they're and like i said uh pete uh you know tells me that they're great great girls and and so that's 
that's that to me, that that to me is a happy ending because they're not a broken family. Uh, you know, you don't see oh Jim Jim's one daughter strung out, the other one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's they're, they're doing well, and I think that's the best way. That, if you have a spotty legacy, the only way it could be, you know, not even whitewashed, but cleaned up a little bit, or, or even put in proper order, put on the shelf, and you can look at it and go, not so, not too bad. Is when your kids go on to excel and be better than you, or or correct things, and and uh, like I said, live that life and and. Be be that kind of uh, you know respectable citizen who's uh, you know the kids are for gay rights and everything. So they're 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 not against Jim, but what they're doing is they're advancing and becoming better people. It's the not anti their dad; they're just different people. They're not anti. They love their father. They're not anti him, but they know what their father did, and they are on a different wavelength and they're going to take that name. Their real last name is warrior, by the way, and that's their name. So they're, they're yep. always going to have to, they're going to always run into that. And I'm sure they've run into people who didn't like their dad and I'm sure they've handled themselves well, but uh, that's the best kind of legacy they can leave. So I think there is a happy ending to that. Uh, unlike uh, miserable Jake Roberts, I don't think there'll be a, a happy ending to that story. Oh, <laughs> Till no, next time, Kevin, enjoy your birthday. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, guys. Thanks. Guys. Peace. Kevin Castle, everyone. Um, I also watched The Dark Side of Football last week. The episode they did on Oakland Raiders was really, really good. Well, you know, my thing is um, I do enjoy The Dark Side of Wrestling uh, documentaries. I think they produce them well. We all know, like we said, the narratives. But um, I haven't seen any of the football ones. I got, you know, problems. I don't have the Vice channel. So I got to wait for either of them to upload it to YouTube or someone posts it on youtube anyway and then i find it <laughs> so hopefully i'll have more i can say more when i actually oh no they're not they're not messing around because remember um vice signed with discovery plus so a lot of their stuff is going on there they're not they're not playing around with other people uploading their shit now well i've the last the last all of them i've seen for this season were up on youtube so i didn't watch them any other way yep i watched them all on youtube yeah, this one they did on the Raiders is their best one they've did so far of this mini series. Cool. I didn't I didn't realize how much of an outlaw team that freaking team is. Oh yeah, they're a piece of shit team. I hate them. <laughs> but that's because I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. They always kind of work our rival team. So I've never liked them. Also, yeah, that, that up, team that team was operated like a fucking gang in the 80s to the mid-90s. We, that's the thing they were a gang and then the worst part is that all the people that you know wore raiders outfits raiders jackets raiders uh, baseball ca- uh, football caps they were dicks like legit like anybody who wore something with the raiders that were in any place other than actual california were assholes that were doing bad shit they were wearing it because it was like uh, like almost like a gang thing yeah. If you were walking down a block, you saw a couple of dudes rocking Raider hats or jackets, you would get, they're going to rob you. They want to rob you. They're going to beat you up or they might even try to kill you. And that's yeah. no, that is no fucking joke. That is legit truth that existed. And that was embarrassing for a football team, but the football team didn't care. They were selling shit and they were fucking asshole team. They were fucking assholes to other teams. Yeah, the biggest, dude, the biggest player focus for the Raiders episode was Lyle Alzando. He was, he was one of those assholes as well. They, their defensive line were told to hurt the opposition. Even in their losing bouts, just hurt the other team. 
And who cares if you get the penalty? Just make sure their quarterback or whoever running back doesn't play the rest of the game. That's not how sports should be played. That's how the Raiders did it for a very fucking long time. They had a good legacy when they first started, and then they fucked themselves over. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the most entertaining story of that episode was the story about one of their linebackers fighting about 10 people in a movie theater all by himself. Yeah, sounds like football. It's just, just like wrestling, right? <laughs> the fucking guys are just yeah. That's not that's that's old school stuff. That's the stuff that, that that's you won't hear about that shit no more. No, you don't. It's different now. It's really every every sports have changed. Uh, you don't get those stories, and if you do get those stories, it's kind of fucking crazy. AEW Double or Nothing took place last Sunday. The very first show to have a max. Oh, sorry. Let me correct myself. Very first pay per view of AW to have a max crowd since last year, right? Since before pandemic, yes, right. So, all in all, I thought the show was pretty good. Um, few hiccups here and there, especially that uh Cody match, I absolutely did not like. Well, being I, know, I know on one, I know on one side, um, the guy he went against only had three matches in. And there's people that, they just yeah. should not have that. They should never had the match. I was just about I to get say, that. they should have never had this freaking match to begin with because the way no it was reason. built, no one was a fan of this shit. From the Cody, no. from the out of touch Cody promo to the awful um, way in segment with the scale, it just did not set a right tone for it. Could have been fine if it was just another wrestler, it would have yes. been a better, you know, Cody can carry guys because he's a good wrestler, Cody. But this guy, he's not fucking ready. He wasn't get... ready, Ben. Also, I believe the fans are really starting to catch on to the nonsensical booking of how they do with Cody. You, you saw the fans freaking boo that shit as soon as he got the three count. That was not freaking cheers the booze piped in. That was the fans saying, okay, I had enough of this shit of the way he's booked. Well, because the idea is not even... Like, first off, we know Cody's going to be off TV soon. Like, obviously, him and Mox are going to be off because they're Wives are both pregnant, and they're both due around the same time. So you're going to lose Cody for a bit, and you're going to lose Moxley for a bit. I don't mind him having a feud with somebody. I just felt that this wasn't the wrestler. Right. It, he Go-Go, a go-go, and they tried to build him up by beating up other people, but he didn't have a match. Reason why? The fucking guy. Look, Jade Cargill has had, what, four matches four in matches. her whole career, and she excels at in-ring charisma, wrestling ability, and talent more than is a go-go guy. And I get it. He's an Olympian. I get it. I get what the, I get. why in wrestling you want to have these guys. You, how many in WWE, TNA, WC, how many wrestlers have been Olympics? A lot, believe it or not. More than people. It's more than just Kurt Angle. Let's be real. Kurt There's Angle, a lot of, Mark Henry, Ronda Rousey, Chad Gable. Yeah, a bunch. There's been a bunch of Olympic wrestlers and uh, Olympic guys who've been in the Olympics, even going back to Iron Sheik. I mean, yeah, Iron Sheik too. All the way back in the 70s, Iron Sheik was an Olympic uh, performer. And and so it's, I get having the prestige, because when people hear the Olympics, like, that's legit. I get it. And the dude looks like he could be something. He's not there yet. And I get working with Cody with that, because Cody can work with guys. And Young Talent, he's definitely done stuff. And yeah, I do not agree with the match ever happening. I do agree that Cody should never have the match. I do not agree that Agogo should have gotten over because everybody else Cody's ever lost to or time limit drawed 
before who are stars now, right? For that company. Not everyone. <laughs> well, no, Cody's had a lot of matches. He's had a lot of the guys he's wrestled with have done well. And okay, you know, Brody's gone, but he's had matches with lots of guys, with Darby, with lots of talent. You don't get Darby Allen to go a time limit draw with Cody, right? Darby was the TNT champion. And they have a go-go come and win when the guy can't even clothesline properly. So <laughs> the best thing would have happened was that he just didn't have the match. Because we didn't need it on the card. Because I'm not going to lie to you. The card was stacked. The card was good and enjoyable. And most of the matches were in the proper place. Truthfully, Cody's match was in a good spot. It wasn't like the main event. It was it was where it needed to be on the card. But it should not have happened. It should have just been. It, a different it should match. have ended. It also, kind of. You know what they things. could have had? It could have. It, oh, sorry, I was going to say damper things for a while because the match after that was Mira and Lance Archer. That was not a good match either. And Britt Baker and uh, Sheeta had to follow that. And they went seventeen minutes. Sorry, I said minutes. Seventeen minutes. And by the first six, things got out of control in that match. I firstly love Sheeta and Britt Baker. I thought they told a great story. I thought Miro looked amazing. The crowd was behind Miro. And I felt bad for Lance Archer because, you know, Lance was the first big guy. But here comes Miro. And finally, Miro, the crowd lets you know what they like, right? You, you said it yourself. And the crowd, 100% behind Miro, which I was shocked. Yeah, I wasn't it was behind him. And then the bell rang and the match happened. No, the match was fine. The crowd was still behind him. He yeah, was it was behind him, but when you structure the match together, I thought it was not a good match. No, I had no problem with it. I absolutely, absolutely had no problem with the. I just felt bad for Lance Archer in that match. I thought Miro looked like a million bucks. I thought Sheeta's loss was had to happen. We knew it had to happen. I just felt that after that bullshit with that goddamn announcer, that maybe. Oof, but, yeah. but you can't blame you can't blame Britt Baker for that guy, right? Like, I felt like, you know, I would never have had Sheeta lost because here she is defending the new championship belt they designed. Well, you know, it's just a slight re, uh, revamp. Uh, and she doesn't get – she has to lose in front of a crowd. But guess what? The crowd was 100% behind Britt Baker. It was time for her to pass. Yeah, it, was, it, it was time for her. I think it was time this and, time and compared to her over a year and a half ago. This, this oh, was yeah, her time. Has, this, she deserves it. And Sheeta is great talent. And, and she's probably one of the best uh, – Japanese wrestlers out there next to Oscar to me. I completely young. skipped the um, battle royal nonsense because I knew it was going to be a clusterfuck. But then I heard that yeah. Leo, then I heard that Leo Rush um, was the special guest entrance, and to only hear that he only lasted two minutes, I was like, wow. "Well, normally the normally the guy that comes for the the Joker isn't someone who wins it. it it's this isn't like in WWE. No, we no, have no, he doesn't Rumble. have to. He doesn't have to win, but he could have at least lasted good, longer there." Well, you know what, though? He came in with some of the good talents, and he got to do a lot of spots. And that was what he was there for, because I don't know if he's under contract. I don't think he is. I think they said this was a handshake agreement. So, obviously, you're not going to let him win. I really thought that – you know who I thought was really going to show up? Andrade, because he's going to be fighting Kenny at AAA. So imagine because his um ninety days and no his ninety days is not up yet. Oh really? I thought he didn't have a ninety days because he Charlotte helped him negotiate. They didn't have a ninety days. No, no, he has a ninety days. He just can't appear on American TV. Oh, was if I didn't know that. I thought he. I didn't think he. I didn't know he had a a ninety days. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. But with that being said, like I actually this has been the best battle royal they've done. They really figured out what how to structure it. It had to pace it. 
and they've done a lot better. I think this one was one of the best, most most enjoyable, and it moved fast. And I thought Christian Cage and, and uh, Jungle Boy were fantastic together. I absolutely thought it was great because that's why Christian's there. A, to prove that he's not broken, and B, to help get young talent over. And let me tell you, Jungle Boy's over as fuck. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was done well. And I was so mad because I was trying to sign it to be all live. And my, I was doing it on the on my laptop, and friggin' BR Live was giving me problems with my browser. He's oh, you have to allow cookies and shit. I'm like, dude, BR. I had to go into incognito mode on Jesus. Google to watch it. By the time we signed in, I just saw Serena D just pin, and I was like, oh, fuck. I missed the whole match. <laughs> I missed the buy-in, but I got to see her pin. So like, at least I knew who won. But um. Yeah, so because I, I watched it on the computer because we uh we plug in the HDMI to my TV and I stream it on Zoom for my friends to hang out with us to watch it. And Dude, we had a, we I know uh, I know a lot of people are getting a kick out of AEWs and licensed music, but it's gonna bite them in the tail in the long run because what is gonna happen when they want to release this on home video? They're gonna have to dub over a lot of the music because paying royalties unless, is expensive. Well, I don't see that. I think with they wouldn't have used the music if they couldn't use the music all the time. Because they even put in a member when Orange comes out. No, I mean, I'm not on, just talking about only him. I mean, everyone who uses licensed music on that promotion. Well, yeah, there's no, I'm talking about that promotion. And I'm talking about they're doing it on the YouTube. And their YouTube has advertisements. And at, so they, when Orange comes out, you hear There Is My Mind by the Pixies. And when you when when uh, Moxley comes out, well, they I, I I don't know how many times Moxley Moxley has a single match. When Moxley comes out as a single wrestler, he comes out to his Moxley thing. But when he comes in with uh, Eddie Kingston, they do the Wild Thing song, right? So was on YouTube, the music's still there. So yeah, that's YouTube. I'm talking about for home media. Yeah, but that's home media. That's no, I'm still, talking about physical home media. Rob. What I'm saying is, you if it wasn't allowed they would have, in months from now, it would have to come off the YouTube channel. You understand what I'm saying? They wouldn't no, have I understand the license what you're right. saying, but remember, I think that they... AEW is not just playing willy-nilly like ECW. I think they have an agreement so they can do it. They would have something in their agreement. Well, if 100%. they had an agreement, then the first All-In would have been out a long time ago on BBD. But, no, you know. I'm talking about now. I'm not the all, all, First All-In doesn't count because that wasn't actually AEW. Of course not. That was a Ring of Honor show. So and they ring on it paying for shit, but yeah, but I don't remember Ring of Honor also went into those issues issues of licensing when they came to releasing their DVDs months because they didn't pay happened. for that because they weren't smart enough. I guarantee you, the only reason these songs are here is either Tony Khan completely owns it, licenses it with uh, with with proper. This dude doesn't do shit like 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 we said like Paul Heyman didn't give a fuck. Like he's signing. No, no, I know. I know he's not. No, he's he's not, definitely not dumb. He's I, I not, he's not dumb and doing that shit. But yeah, I think on the long run, what, I, ha- I what happens I when um, home media starts to have those discussions? Because AEW's been it's gonna be around for three years next year, and they still have not have a physical release of any of their shows. Well, do you need it? I'm telling you, that's it's gonna be up for discussion soon. I. I wouldn't. I, I'm an AEW fan. I'm not buying their DVDs. Why the yeah, fuck you won't buy, buy it. DVDs? But guess what? There's going to be people that will buy it. Okay, but if it's just once again, because it, remember, I oh, sorry, I was going to also bring up. You never know what happens when the Bleacher Report contract expires or something happens in there. 
then how are you going to watch it? Because the same thing happened in the UK when they had their former partner over there. Right. It's very hard for them to access. That's fine. If, if they see it's worth money to make a physical release, they'll do it. And I guarantee you, it's already the songs they've got. Okay. They got the jungle, Tarzan boy, Pixies, you know, Where's My Mind, which is probably the most famous song next to the Wild Things song, right? Everything else is pretty much nothing. You know, I mean, yeah, even Christian Cage's song isn't even the Evanescence song. It's the TNA song. Yes, the TNA song. Which is just a, it's Evanescence light. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I guarantee you, they got these songs, Tony got, because remember that, that, that Tom Waits song they got for Brody Lee? Yeah. He owns it. You know, Tony bought it, lock, stock, and barrel. And he said that, that song will not ever be taken down. I, I wanted that. So for, that is for Brody. That is his song. No one can, we will never, if we release whatever we do, we will always have this song for him. I doubt that Tony Khan is stupid enough. If he could do that, he worked out something for these other songs, 100%. Going back to the pay-per-view, I think the Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac three-way was good. I just think that there was too many pinfall attempts, especially towards the last half of the match. But I, you know, I thought it gave a lot of excitement because that was the only. It way was exciting Orange, to see, but what I Orange could uh, get a win. <laughs> I love that he tried scumbag and steal Pac's win. I love it, and I, I honestly loved the spot when. You know, he had an orange casting and a brutalizer, and Kenny hits him, and he said, "F you know, he wouldn't break the hold." I'm like, "This is, I, I, I've never seen that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I've never seen that ever happen." That then, like, what do you do? He just uh, take out the referee because it's like I don't want him tapping. I just love it. Made it made it made um, what's his name? Uh, Pac, look like such a badass. You know, and the dude's a dude's a monster. He's the littlest monster. You know, he's a giant killer, legitly, right? And like he looked so monstrous in that moment, you know. And then it took four title belts, and then he still didn't even pin Pac. You know what I'm saying? Like, I absolutely loved it. I thought that was great. You know, uh, I enjoyed the hell out of that match. The crowd was into that match, and that was all that you know. I enjoyed it more because the crowd enjoyed it more. I think you know. It was it was good. I, I'm not taking anything away from it. I just thought that there was way too many near falls, especially towards the last ten minutes. It kind of it kind of needed a, a breather in between. I did not need to see four attempts of two near of near falls that happened in a span of ten minutes. I think they did that because when you knew you were going to get to the spots when Orange was taken out and then Kenny started hitting with the belts, that slowed the pacing down. You know. So I think by having all those quick falls because of the fast movements of those wrestlers to stone down to the assault on Pac to the ending, I think that flown flew better to me. Uh, let me and sorry, guys. You, you would, can we talk about the main? Let's talk about the main event because I loved how the how they did that because you knew it was going to have to be taped. It's about inter, but you know, how they uh, inter, how they stampede, right? Yeah, how they transitioned I think this year's was better than last year's. And I also well, like the way know, how the they first, trans- The first one was the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm still going to say it. I think this year's was better produced than last year's. <laughs> yeah. I also no, think saying, the way they transitioned before, so. from um, 
pre-taped footage <coughs> to live to the live oh, feed was good. Beautiful. I also did I not like the fact. I was like, dude, I also did not like the fact that whoever it was running the social media of the production team posted that photo like literally minutes after the match ended. I was thinking you could have waited days after or months after the post of that, but you had to wait minutes after. Well, you know, uh, it happens. I think the idea is we want people to hopefully, if they see this, they might be excited to buy the, you know, the replay. That's I usually get the idea when they do stuff like that is to help entice people to get yeah, a replay. Yeah, so you know what photo I'm talking about, Dave? Which one was it? Where they showed them literally all Jericho, MJ up, and everybody watching um the the taped feed in the back. Oh no, I didn't see that photo. Really? Yeah, I didn't see that. And I, oh, I I'm going to find it for you. It's, it's a good photo, but they posted that minutes after the match ended. Really? Oh, I didn't know. I thought you talked about like when they were in the finger giving their holding Sammy up or something like that. I didn't know like a behind the scenes. I got to admit, though, for uh, uh, the tape segments being filmed the week before, how well they intercut it. Like, I almost got confused. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, this is tape. This, how did they? Like, that was such a good transition. Whoever did that needs a needs to get a raise because that was <laughs> such a good thing. I, I just like when and I, and as you find the picture, I thought Sting didn't kill himself, and I I was because I was so worried about Sting's match because all the weeks building up, they beat him up or he was moving slowly. He looked like Sting from like TNA times. I was really shocked. I mean, obviously a little slower. We know he's not as fast as he used to be. He's 62. But he didn't look, he didn't look terrible. He looked actually, and it was smart. It, it was a tag team match. You know, I, Sting can't do a one-on-one match anymore. And no, I thought they did a not. beautiful, I thought they did a beautiful job. And of course, Ethan Page and, and Scorpio Sky were fantastic. They, they wanted to work with Sting, which was good to see. And they, they did the right thing. You know, they handled it well. And, uh, Fuck, man, I'll tell you, that that really got me, too, because I was expecting nothing from that match. I know you know what I was expecting? Darby doing everything. <laughs> and Sting actually looked really good. I was waiting for the Kevin Nash moment where he was going to tear his quad by running the, doing a hip toss or some shit, and he didn't. So, I, you know, I have to give it to no, him. No, he didn't. He a, didn't. You know, I'm not no, Sting did not embarrass himself out there this no. time around. He didn't embarrass himself at all. But uh, with a guy with a freaking neck injury at 62 years old, I don't think you belong in a ring. <laughs> I don't well, care. No, another thing, he also hasn't wrestled in several years, so at least he had time to heal. He's not doing a buckle bomb, you know, or he's not doing anything crazy. He should never be doing the moves he did with Seth Rollins. Nope. It should have been an easier, simpler match. Do and you see the photo you know, now? Oh, did you send it on uh, in this chat? No, I sent it to your phone. Uh, let me look. It's a Twitter uh, link. Yeah. Okay, let's see it. Again, this photo is fine and well, but they should have not posted this shit. Oh, they, this was the legit, it was posted right after the match? Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I didn't see this picture. Yeah, it was by, done by the, the, by the, um, by the freaking Jaguars head coach. Hey, you know what? It's a, uh, oh, the coach of the Jaguars posted it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't get kayfabe. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. He didn't understand, but I, I think that match was done great. Uh, I enjoyed everything about it. Um, I, I was really shocked this shit. I also was gonna call bullshit because when they were repelling down with the uh, with the when they were repelling with the with the harnesses on, I'm like, 
all right, who's who's the stand-in for Jericho? And then when they zoom in, you see Jericho slowly going, hey, everybody. I was like, okay, there he is. I was so shocked shit that he was actually doing it that I didn't believe it. I thought it was like stunt double. <laughs> until you see him, until you see him like slowly going, I ain't fucking moving fast and then this shit. And I don't blame him. But uh, I thought that was pretty, really cool entrance. I thought, you know, for once to wherever this blow-off match is and, and how it was, I thought everyone had their spots and then and i really enjoyed a lot of it weird to see you know um <laughs> just in the bar scene i just like how they called it a disco I'm like there's seven people this is the saddest disco ever but whatever <laughs> but i enjoyed how the match structure was i think uh, uh santana ortiz are fucking some of the yeah, best those, those guys get it and i and i mean it they oh, they get it especially santana they get it oh my god the dude can talk man and, oh my god the team i love how was it ortiz like that was beautiful, man. That's all he said on the promo building up to the week of the pay-per-view. And I just, you know, I think um, it's, they need to, eventually, we've said this before, like, the, hey, the faction lasted a good long time and it did what it had to do. And now I want to, I made Sammy a star. Sammy looked amazing in this match. Fucking guy was, he's a talent, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he looked a hundred, he looked like a million bucks. And Ortiz and Santana looked fantastic. Uh, actually, Wardlow looked amazing against Jake Hager. I thought Jake Hager actually, this was the best match he looked like he did, Jake. Because you know I don't probably like... Probably the uh, best Probably the best match of his fucking life. Yeah, because I've <laughs> never the, liked this. The, the, the entire decade of lifeless and soulless promos this guy um, did and sucking up all the air out of the room. Yeah. This is probably his best match of his life. He, this is his best match. And uh, he worked well. I think everyone has to be praised on how well they all work together. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Great groups of people. Finally, you know, these talents are showing what they're capable of. When they talk, they can speak. I'm enjoying it. Like, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I like the freedom of, that's why people are like, oh, you, you just, you just don't like Vince. I'm like, no, man, I just, I want a little more freedom. And I, I can see that these wrestlers are enjoying the shit out of themselves. Why would fucking Paul White come there if he wasn't enjoying what he's doing? And you know Mark what I'm saying? Henry, huh. And the Mark, dude, is it kind of funny as fuck? Dude, uh, dude, wasn't it last year around this time him and Leo Rush got at it? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Is that funny? These like, two are the same, same night? for most. <laughs> on the same. I'm well, like, Leo Rush, Leo Rush, Leo Rush you better really... watch your back when you're wa- walking in the hallways when Mark Henry's there. Well, I don't think Leo Rush is actually signed. I think he just like kind of might no, show I mean, like, up. No, if they or... cross paths, he better watch his back. <laughs> well, first off, I, obviously, you know, Mark Henry's a professional. He probably definitely they squashed it before they came to the show. Probably, uh, I was that was a big surprise to see that Mark Henry was coming out because that's once again a name. Yeah, like, and it you know... also it also proves the point. Um, this guy was a WWE lifer and defended WWE to the freaking max on radio shows for the entire year. From oh, 20- right up until recent. Yeah, right up until recently. And now to see this guy sign up with AEW, I'm surprised no fans are calling this guy a sellout yet. Well, you know what? It's not being a sellout. Obviously, you know, you have to question the company that let him go. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like, I'm talking about WWE fans. And fuck the WWE fans because of the idea. I, I hate, hate I also, I think we talked about this before. I hate when people are like, oh, you're taking cast away WWE guys. Dude, we talked about this back in the day. I think these a lot of fans are just too young to remember back in the eighties. Would you call Big Boss Man a WWE guy? He was in WCW, WWE, Bam Bam Bigelow went back and forth, ECW. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't call I, them I WWE call, I call guy. Bam Bam Bigelow a WWE guy. 
But he isn't. He wrestled everywhere. Japan. He, did, he was WWE. most famous in WWE. He's, he was most famous wherever he the fuck he was. He was phenomenal in ECW. If you watched ECW, I would call him an ECW guy. No, I said Big Boss Man. I'm not talking about Bam Bam. Oh, Bam. I thought you said Bam Bam. No, I said Big Boss Man. Uh, Big Boss Man. Well, I don't like WCW, right? I didn't like wherever they were before. So I only knew him as Big Boss Man. I didn't know him as a whatever, the Ray Trailer, whatever the fuck they wanted to call his ass <laughs> over there. The Buckwheat Barnes, or whatever the fuck names they came up with him in WCW. But the idea is like Dusty Rhodes. You know, he wasn't, you know, these guys go back and forth, Junkyard Dog. These guys, these talents, Piper, wherever they go, they're stars, you know? And they're wrestlers. They're going to go to territories. They're going to go wrestle wherever they are. They're going to go to New Japan, All Japan, uh, whatever, you know? And, and, and to say that, like, oh, these guys are just WWE cast. When first out, Fuck you. You're not empl- any fan that says this shit. You're not employing that wrestler. Okay. You have no say so. This is like the shit when, like, oh, that Marvel artist defected to DC. He was no, it's called a contract. And when you want more money, you go where the job gives you more respect. You know, like to say, oh, Jack Kirby was a Marvel guy. It's like, no, he started at Marvel. He left Marvel in the 50s. He came back to Marvel in the 60s. He left him back in the 70s. He came back in the 70s and went back out of the 70s. And he never went back ever again. So don't don't call these people what that's your fan base making up because that's the way you see them. They're talent that needs to work. So I, I, I'm sick of that whole, oh, well, they're a WWE guy. They're a castaway. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs> all, like, they all need in- to work. <laughs> All in all, I thought this show was much better than Revolution, yeah. despite um, Cody Christ coming in trying to save the world. I thought the show was better than Revolution. Yeah, I, like I said, uh, I, I just I would prefer that match was like a tag team match, honestly, just so Gogo wasn't the focus. Was it freaking exposed? Yeah, that's a problem. It's very dangerous. That's why I think Jay Cargill's first match was amazing because she was with Shaq and Cody was with. Uh, uh, Red Velvet, Red Velvet. I mean, yeah, yeah, Red Velvet, Red Velvet. So, like, you know, Red Velvet is actually a very talented young girl too. She's actually getting very good, and she's only been wrestling for two or three years. Uh, the, the women they've gotten have really progressed fast. Uh, and to see Jade work with Shaquille O'Neal and having a good match on her first time out—that's that's like unheard of, right? So, like, I expected better from Ogogo, and I I feel that they should have hit him in a tag team. Uh, real quick before we go, did you see the Eternals trailer? Yes. I'm kind of mixed about it. I want to see more because the Eternals, I've uh, up until when they announced it at San Diego Comic Con two years ago, I've never heard of this um, group. But I started never to heard educate, of the Eternal. Yeah, never heard of them. I started to educate myself about them, and I realized that they're pretty much gods of the fucking universe. But well, I yeah, don't you, think I don't think it's going to be enough to hook me in because of the connection of Thanos and whatnot. But I need more for them to hook me in. Well, here's the thing: why I think is going to happen. It, the story is going to explain a lot of mythology, and they're going to do it fast. Obviously, the current events are going to take place after or during the end of Endgames. Yes, and I feel what. I feel the story is built into is the Eternals are going to fight the Celestials. And if you guys don't know what the Celestials are, Ego, uh, Nowhere, the, the, Nowhere was the head of an, a Celestial. If you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, when Ego was showing the Guardians the past about the stone, the purple stone, or whoever showed the, the I think it was Ego, and he had the, that giant with the staff. 
Yes. That's a celestial. The living tribunal is a celestial, if I'm not mistaken. And that, the living tribunal, is basically what the TVA is about, which is the Loki show. The living tribunal is controlling the space-time. And so these guys are celestials, and they are probably very pissed at the events of Endgame. Because do not forget... And also, sorry, before I, before all the Marvel fans come at me, <laughs> just remember, I've not read a Celestial, uh, I said Celestial, Eternals comic up until they announced it. So I was, well, the best one I went, to read is I went in, yeah, I'm saying I went into this completely blind. Right. Well, you know, understand that if you read the, uh, the best book to read is the Eternals. I think it's by Neil Gaiman. That's a great series. It should give you everything you need to know. Probably what a lot of this film is going to be based on. Thanos is an Eternal and a, uh, I forget what the bad guys are called, the decay or the, the they have a term for these uh, the other group. And so uh, Thanos is a half-breed of that. And I think the Celestials were very happy with what Thanos did. And so when it was undied by the Avengers, the Celestials were a little pissed off and the Eternals see the Earth as their pet project. You know, so they're going to, when you see that, it could be fake image because you know, they do that in trailers, but that lineup yeah. shot, I think that lineup shot is going to be the battle with the Celestials. I could be wrong, but I think that's what oh, I'm going to I, say. Oh, sorry. I just thought about. I just thought about what you said before. It was the, I from what I last read about the Eternals, I think they were called the Div- Deviants or Deviants. The Deviants. Deviants. Yes. yes. Deviants. That Thanos is basically a half breed of that. So, like, he is a combination. So, his place and what he is, he's he's a, like a forever being, like Thanos and like uh, the Collector. And the uh, the Watchers, they're like forever beings. They're like Eternals of Eternals. You know, they're yeah. they're more than just they're, they're they're these they're there. They're godlikes. So like, there's going to be something up with that. And uh, I definitely think that there's going to be a huge battle with the Celestials and the Eternals. This is going to be way bigger than people think. I could be wrong. I, however, do know who Black Knight is because I've read his comics back then. Yes, Black Knight's a big deal because that's where they, that's that sword, and then you see it in the in the trailer. They showed the sword. That's Black Knight's sword. That's yes. a big thing. Basically, it's based on the whole like the the enchanted sword in the lake kind of a thing. Uh, Black Knight. He started off as a bad guy in the comics, became a good guy for the Avengers later on. Uh, there's been more than one Black Knight over the course of the Marvel universe. Yeah, the current so, one yeah. is the current one was is the last one's grandson. Right, so there you go. So you have that, and then that's a big deal. So like, uh, I'm the fact they bring those kind of characters into the movie universe. I never thought I'd see that, so that's really cool. Yeah, it's set to be released on November. Um, next week is Loki. I can't believe no already. Yeah, yeah, next week. Wow, that's crazy. No, no thanks for Marvel for for filling up that damn um press junket. <laughs> It's really cool. They, they, they literally they, got back to me today and told me it was full. I'm like, what the fuck ever. You know what? But it's going to be on the ninth anyway, so that's cool. Yeah, it's going to be wait. It's going to be on Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, the Wednesdays and the new Fridays. They said. I wonder why. Mm. And then after that, we have uh, Black Widow. Yeah, I wish that would just came on Disney Plus already. I just want to see the movie already. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see it in the theaters. I I can't wait to see this. Yeah, I don't plan to go to the theaters until next year. I'm not doing any of that i think the first convention i'm actually going to go to is in november what, so PowerCon? A, no power cons in september i can't make it i, I I'm, I'm, a, I'm on vacation right now i'm on vacation for the last um, four weeks so i have next week is my last week i've been on vacation for two weeks already this is my third week off so i'm like off for four weeks straight so uh 
but yeah, in November is Legion Con. It's over in uh, in Jersey. Oh, so that's right. it's more local. I can get to it. It's gonna be a smaller convention. I'm not ready for any of that stuff. I know everyone's like, "Oh, don't be a whip." Like, listen, don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> you, you do you. I ain't gonna stop you, you. Rob. You already heard it. He's like, "Oh, don't, don't be a wussy. Just come out here. You're vaccinated." Nope. And I, I tell people, I don't care about you. Uh, you don't live with me. Uh, <laughs> and and you do what you want. You want to go party? Mwah, enjoy. Have fun. You want to go to a baseball game? You have the mold, buy all the beers and the beverages you have. You have to, I will stay at home. And then when everything dies down, because I'm old already. I'm 43. I've been, I've done shit. Okay, I've lived my life. You guys are young. You want to go do that? You have, you do that. You do you. I got time. I'll see you next year at stuff. Don't worry about it. It'll be there. Events will be there. The only thing I am doing uh, tomorrow, I'm going to the Harry Potter store. Oh, the one in, um... What is this? Times Square? No, no, it's on 20. I don't go to Times Square again. Uh, it's on 22nd Street. Oh, okay, it, opened, okay. it opens up tomorrow. It looks amazing. I saw it on TikTok. I was like, yeah, we're going. You know what I also I discovered on TikTok? There's this um, dinner place where you could literally not only go there to eat, but also to paint. Well, they have, they've always had the sip, sip and draw, sip and paint things, uh, drink and draw things. So that's that's always been around. That's That's not a new concept. So. I mean, it's new to me, though. Mm. If you haven't seen it, it's new to you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, other than that, yeah. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to rank up um, the last bit of news here. You know, since the shortage of um, trading cards happened, like the print versions, do you think that will happen in the comic book industry in the next year? The shortage? Yeah, shortage of print comics. I don't think so. I think uh, comics are in a decline anyway. Uh, they only print when they need. Uh, they don't sell like they used to. So it won't go into a shortage. It's just that the demand's not there. Uh, the problem with the trading cards is that people are animals and the yep. stores are refusing to stock them. There is a difference. The stores were getting life threats from idiots about Pokemon cards, magic cards. They were threatening people who work at Target over cards. So Target pulled the cards and said, we're not going to sell them to you guys. So that shortage is is inflated due to um, the product not being available. Not because it can't be made, but because people are threatening to kill people over cards. So, And um, <laughs> here's some funny news. Uh, Netflix canceled Jupiter's Legacy, another good show. I heard it wasn't as good as the other shows. Not, not as good as the other ones, but for an original superhero show on Netflix, I thought this was kind of decent. But this goes to shows Netflix does not know what the fuck they're doing. This reminds me a few years ago when we, we did one of the junkets for Netflix at New York Comic Con. Then they told me, oh no, you can you were supposed to upload this footage of the junket. Then next thing you know, a few days later, they announced the show was canceled. <laughs> you remember that, Rob? I never forget those things. Here's my thing is that at the end of the day, I do like Netflix. Netflix is doing the He-Man cartoon show. Uh, I, I, it looks like it's going to be amazing. Uh, I think Netflix can only do limited series. You know what I mean? I think Netflix should yeah. stick with stuff that's limited, that has a beginning, middle, and end, and, and do that because that's what they're best at. Do not try to do an ongoing series. I know they've been doing the Cobra Kai thing, but that's limited that's only gonna have another two seasons fourth and five and that's it they they know they have an end game for that series 
Uh, but when you make a show that may not have an ending, they're not good at that. You need to have an ending, at least with Netflix for the most part, with their series, they do tend to close off their show. Like uh, with Voltron, Voltron was almost canceled, but they were able to finish the series off. Dude, Netflix spent two hundred million on Jupiter's Legacy. That's way too much money for that show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two hundred freaking million. Guess what? It didn't even look like it was um two hundred million dollars. And uh, it looked pretty bad. <laughs> but at the same time, like I'm done because I know the people that worked on Jupiter, the, the comics. I know all the people who worked on these comics that have all these like the boys and the the the. And Jupiter Legacy, whatever. I know the people who've created these properties. I've known them for years. Like, you know, we're not close friends, but we're in the same circles. But at the same time, like, I am sick and tired of even having a superhero show or a dystopian Watchmen superhero show. Come up with something new. I'm a little tired of everyone making a, a copy of a copy of The Watchmen. Every one of these shows, from The Boys to whatever, would not exist without The Watchmen. All right, the, and I'm talking about the comic, not the movie. I'm talking about yeah, the original comic. comic. All right, all these things that you've seen are because of the Watchmen, and I'm I, I'm done. I want to see something different. Give me something different. That's not always this this dystopian. The heroes are actually the bad guys, or this, that, and the other. Listen, it's it's formulaic and it's annoying because now you're oversaturating the market with the same crap. You bitch about superheroes being oversaturated, but now you're doing the anti-superheroes is oversaturated. And it's it's I'm done with it. I do <laughs> like the boys though. The boys is awesome. Better than the comic. Dude, that was that was one um, mistake DC ever did was completely end the end the fucking series. I sold it the, off. I think the show is just better than the comic book personally. I think so too. I'm just saying though, if 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 they, the entire run of the boys comic was under DC, I think the show would have been much freaking different. I'm glad it's not. Yeah, much better. <laughs> All righty, Rob. Thank you for coming on. And also thank Kevin Castle for coming on. Um, go ahead, plug your stuff. And also thank you everybody that's listening on the download. All right, guys. It's Alternative Minds, M-I-N-D-Z dot com. Everything we do is there. You can click on our YouTube, which I would love you guys to subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Our Instagram, our Twitter. Of course, we have TikTok. I got the Alternative Minds TikTok account. You don't really, if you want to follow me there, that's on you guys. I prefer you do the YouTube because that's where I get paid. I don't get paid from TikTok. Uh, the TikTok, I do do my prediction videos. I'm going to be doing like, I did for AEW is my first prediction uh, TikToks I did. And I did pretty good. I think I got like two wrong, but not bad. <laughs> uh, but with all that being said, that's that's the stuff I have, man. All right, check out my work on the alternative minds. I got a Fear of the Walking Dead review coming up this week. Uh, also, my review of Army of the Dead is on the Nocturnal. Thought the movie is eh, it was all right for what it was. Let's just say what, I'm glad it was not the Zack Snyder's cut for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, follow and subscribe to the rest of Corvia Podomatic Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, everywhere else we are on. And check out all of our friends, whether it's Keita and Jay. Whether if it's uh, JD or Kevin Castle, Wrestling Soup, Don Tony, everywhere else, check them out. Thank you all for coming on, and it's time for me to G-double-O. Later. Later.